1: It is indeed the Bob France Authority, and it begins at 7 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock on this Monday morning, the 10th morning of the month of September in the year of our Lord, 2018. Obviously, one more day until we commemorate the horrific acts of terror committed against this country in what will have been 17 years ago. Absolutely stunning, and I hope the pain, the agony, the tragedy... Uh, the anger, I hope it was all still as fresh today as it was then. We can never, ever afford to forget the feelings that we had on that day and the suffering that so many endured. Tomorrow, we will have a special commemorative September 11th program. A little programming note there. I do it every year. Uh, I talk about uh, what happened on that date, my memories, my, you know, the updates in security uh, and uh, the anti-terrorism, the counter-terrorism acts uh, that have been taken since then. Uh, the threats that remain, and so on and so forth. So that will be a big part of tomorrow's show. But for today, it is the 10th morning of the month of September, again in the year of our Lord, 2018, and we've got a lot of business to discuss today. Phone lines will be open to you at 216 901 or 888 281 You can dial right now. We have no guests in the first half hour or actually the first 45 minutes of the program. So uh, you can dial now, and we'll put you up and on the radio ASAP. If you cannot wait on hold uh, at this time or later, you can tweet to me at Radio Done Right. Yes, I'm still ashamed to have a an account on the Twitter platform. They do censors conservatives. It is absolutely un-American what they do, but we are not going to surrender the platform and make it a liberals-only uh, page. We are going to continue to fight back against their lies and propaganda. So to that end, I'm on Twitter, if you are as well. Follow me at Radio Done Right. Radio Done Right. All one word, no spaces, no underscores. Facebook is not much better. You can follow me on Facebook at France Radio. Make sure to like that page, and we can engage in conversation about these issues uh, on that page as well. So I will read the best tweets and Facebook comments, by the way, on the radio, as always. By the way, another little programming notes note, since I... um. Uh, teased ahead to tomorrow's September 11th driven program. Uh, we're very busy today. It's a it's a France radio marathon of sorts. I have uh, been asked to sit in for the brilliant Dennis Prager today, so uh, I will have you until 11 o'clock, then we'll hand it off to Mike Gallagher for the 11 o'clock to noon hour, and then at noon I'll be back on for Dennis Prager from noon to 3. So five of the next six hours here on AM 1420, the answer uh, will be uh, Bob France Authority hours as I sit in for uh, the great Dennis Prager. So make sure you uh, stick around this afternoon, or if you've got some plans uh, this afternoon that it can include some radio time, I hope you will include us as a part of that. All right, uh, many many different things to discuss today. Obviously, the NFL is back. Uh, they the uh, for, and I'm not here to talk about the Browns tie of the Steelers and all of the jokes and memes that are surrounding that. The Browns are, and this is not a joke, by the way, although it is kind of funny. <laughs> The NFL made sure, I don't remember what network it was yesterday, but they made sure to put this uh, on one of the graphics. The Browns now, at 0 and one are off to their best start in 14 years. <laughs> the Browns are off to the best start of a season since 2004 because they didn't lose in Week 1. That's, that's, that's state of the league, state of the Browns anyway, I guess. That's kind of funny. It's kind of mean to point it out, but it's kind of funny. The Browns didn't lose yesterday. Thus, it's their best start in 14 years. Also, thus, the the losing streak is over. You don't have to win to end a losing streak. They did not lose yesterday. So the losing streak that they have been on, 16 straight last year, and I don't know how many at the end of 20. Uh, 16's season, but I think the losing streak was around 18 or 19. Didn't they lose the last two or three of the year before as well, I think? So the losing streak at 18 or 19 or 20 or whatever it was is now over because they played a game and did not lose it. So therefore, the losing streak is over. So uh, congrats to the Browns for that. No, that's not why I wanted to uh, bring up the uh, National Football League being back. Obviously, uh, the National Football League brings with it controversy because the National Football League is too cowardly, quite frankly, to deal with their issue. They continue to alienate and tick off a large, large swath of America uh, that uh, believes in the flag, believes in the country, believes in unity, not division, and yet they continue to allow players to divide. And as such, they allow companies like Nike to take advantage of that and to expand that division. They allow Colin Kaepernick, to get out there and continue to remain relevant, all because the NFL is too cowardly. The commissioner, Roger Goodell, and the 32 league owners, too cowardly to just establish a policy requiring every player, coach, manager, team official to be on the field for the playing of the National Anthem, standing at attention. And if they choose not to do so, there will be fines, and fines will eventually become suspensions. Why do we know that works? Because we don't have anybody kneeling in baseball, and we don't have anybody kneeling in basketball. Why? Both of those sports have very clear, direct national anthem policies. Even other social justice warriors in other sports, like LeBron James, who is very outspoken in his liberal causes and very outspoken in his support of Colin Kaepernick and others, he doesn't kneel during the anthem. Why? Because the NBA is smart enough to have the policy. And the NBA, by the way, is run by a wildly liberal social justice warrior itself. In league commissioner Adam Silver. But they are smart enough to know we don't, they don't want to hurt their ratings. By allowing this stuff to go on there. So they have policies that require players to stand at attention for the anthem. If you don't, you are fined immediately. If you continue to do it, the fines will accrue and suspensions can happen. Same thing in baseball. You're required to stop. If, you're, if you are in the dugout, come out of the dugout, stand at attention. If you're in the bullpen, stop what you're doing and stand at attention. If you're out tossing long toss in the outfield, whatever the case might be, you stand at attention for the national anthem. If you don't, suspensions will be assessed. Or, excuse me, fines will be assessed, and suspensions could be in the offing. Baseball and fo- or basketball don't have the problems football does. They're smarter. Than the National Football League, the National Football League, by the way, is the goose that lays golden eggs. They are far and away the most popular of the sports. They generate far more money for their networks, and that thus the networks are willing to pay far more uh, more money for the broadcast rights than for the other uh, leagues. And yet, they're the ones who are putting it all at risk. As the ratings continue to drop, as the attendance continues to decline, they are the ones who just are too cowardly to stand up to the social justice warrior crowds who continue to try to divide. And even worse, the social justice warrior players like Colin Kaepernick accuse and their anti-supporters accuse President Trump of being the one who tries to divide on the anthem. The president is saying, no, let's all be united." Let's all stand arm-in-arm, black, white, Latino, Asian, whatever you happen to be, European, Canadian, it doesn't matter. Let's all stand arm-in-arm or shoulder-to-shoulder, hand-to-heart, or helmet under our our hands, whatever it is we're going to do. And let's just stand there and be united. No matter what our differences might be in the country, it's still the greatest country on earth. None of you could ever make a living doing what you're doing here. And in the same way, in another country, let's all be thankful for the Stars and Stripes, the national anthem representing the liberty that you have in this country, and the unprecedented and unparalleled and un... um, I guess we'll stop with unparalleled, because I can't think of the third adjective, but opportunity that you have in the United States. Why don't we just all unite about that? But no, they accuse the president of being the divider on this. Meanwhile, Colin Kaepernick continues to divide. Colin Kaepernick tweeting in support of his, uh, NFL brethren.
2: Players were protesting as there were when this movement started, most notably during the first slate of games. Two players for the Miami Dolphins, Kenny Stills and Albert Wilson, both took a knee during the national anthem. This prompted former NFL player Colin Kaepernick to send out a tweet with the picture of the two players attached, writing, My brothers continue to show their unwavering strength by fighting for the oppressed. They have not backed down, even when attacked and intimidated. Their courage
1: will move the world forward. Love is at the root of our resistance. So that's what Colin Kaepernick tweeted in response to two players. Now, I suppose if we're going to cover this fairly and balanced and equally and so on and so forth, let's say that it is getting better. Only two players in 16 National Football League games this weekend, going back to Thursday night season opener included, only two players in 16 games and 32 teams and, what, 32 teams times 53 game day players? Uh, you know, that, that's obviously, uh, you know, a lot a lot of players to only have two of them kneel. It's gotten better. Only two of them did kneel during the anthem. However, there were a handful of others. I want to say half a dozen maybe uh, scattered throughout the league that did the um, resistance power. I don't want to call it Black Power Salute, but we best know it as the Black Power Salute from uh, the 1968 Olympics. Uh, but they stood with the fists in the air. Some call that a black power salute. Some call it a rise to power salute. Some people, it, it, everybody has different interpretations, but it's basically, it has basically become the social justice warrior salute these days. But a handful of them did raise their fists in the air. Only two of them knelt. And one other just was kind of like, I don't know, um, grumpy. And angry about having to stand, but doing it until the end of the anthem and with this in the in the in the waning notes of the anthem on Thursday night for the Eagles, uh, Falcons game. Michael Bennett of the Eagles, as the anthem kind of drew to a close, walked away while it kind of was still playing, went and sat down and began to fix his shoes to get ready to play. So it's kind of like, you know, I'm doing it, but I ain't liking it. And I'm, I'm not doing it the whole time. So kind of just a little bit of a tantrum type of thing. So two kneelers. About a half dozen fist razors and Michael Bennett's odd little grumpy, grumpy fest um, is what we had. Colin Kaepernick, however, thinks this is victory. Colin Kaepernick tweets in support again, uh, saying that what they are doing is, uh, is in the name of love. No, what they are doing is in the name of division and profit. Let me say that again. It's in the name of division, dividing by race trying to portray the United States as a racist, oppressive country by way of its police officers, whom he, Colin Kaepernick, compares to runaway slave catchers in 2018. That's not a joke. That's what he put on Instagram. It is complete division by race, and it's all being done for profit. Colin Kaepernick is profiting big time over this by the way of his Nike contract. Fortunately, there are some other entities that are speaking out and are pushing back against Nike for giving him in that contract. And I'm going to tell you that part of the story coming up in just a bit as well. So that's just one of the lead stories of today. We're going to talk more about the uh, op-ed, the anonymous op-ed writer. We are going to talk about that with Congressman Jim Jordan coming up in about a half an hour. Uh, We are going to talk about uh, the rest of the day's top news. Uh, President Obama, of course, over the weekend, actually toward the end of last week and over the weekend, bashing Donald Trump trying to take credit for his economic recovery. Barack Obama taken apart by professional economists on that matter. I'll share that with you coming up. So we have a lot of ground to cover and discuss a lot of material. 216 We'll bring you on to the radio program next on AM 1420 The Answer.
0: Mike Gallagher. Coming up at eleven on AM fourteen twenty, the
1: answer nine twenty five. Now the Bob France at thirty on AM fourteen twenty, the answer. We'll take a few phone calls now as we get your get get your uh, Monday rolling two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Mary is calling from Lorraine on AM fourteen twenty, the answer. Hi, Mary. Go right ahead.
2: Hi, good morning, Bob. Um, and I want to say those two programs from Washington were just excellent, eye opening. I'll tell you. Um, I read a story in the Guidepost Magazine about this. Man that came from Spain, his name is Jose Andres, and he is a chef in New York City, and he also has an organization called World Central Kitchen that goes to countries that are devastated by hurricanes and cooks for them. But this is what he said about coming to this country. I'll never forget coming into New York Harbor on July 4th and seeing Lady Liberty and hundreds of boats flying the American flag a symbol of all that's good about this country. I became a U.S. citizen in 2013 alongside my wife. I know that citizenship came with an obligation to make a positive difference to improve the lives of my fellow Americans. That's what he said.
1: I think that's, uh, fantastic, Mary, and i and I'm, and I really appreciate, uh, your, your comments on what we did, uh, in, in Washington DC as well at the top here. Um, those two programs were intended to be exactly what you described them as. Uh, eye-opening. Um, you know, we, we all can sit here and complain and say illegal immigration, illegal immigration, and and, and just think we know what the problems are, and we know the depth of the problems, and we know the depth of the crime in their in our cities that are committed on the, uh, as a result of uh, our lax border security and our lax immigration laws, and so on and so forth. But when you hear it firsthand from some of the people affected, uh, angel families, border uh, uh, families who live down there along the border who can't come out onto their properties because of they're being overrun by dangerous Dangerous criminals. Uh, When you hear the law enforcement uh, agencies, ICE, like Tom Homan, the acting director, former acting director Tom Homan from ICE, from uh, uh, the Border Patrol uh, uh, organizations as well. When you hear all of the things that we tried to do there, um, it is supposed to open your eyes, and I hope eyes were open for millions of listeners around the country. As we had 65 talk show hosts out there from around the country, some of them with local programs like ours, some of them with national programs. I hope millions of people open their eyes to this and get uh, on their members of Congress and demand that uh, they do exactly what they said they were going to do. That's a Jim Jordan line, by the way, once again. And Jim Jordan will talk about that with us again coming up at 948 this morning. Mary, thank you for that. I appreciate the call. God bless. Jim is in uh, West Park next. Hi, Jim. You're on AM 1420. The answer. Go ahead.
3: Yes, I was down there at the uh, Stand for America and the Flag Rally for three hours, and I met uh, Charlie, the politically correct mechanic.
1: Charlie's a great biker. guy. Huh? I, I just said Charlie is a great guy. I'm sorry to interrupt. Go yeah. ahead.
3: Bikers uh, bikers for Trump. I didn't get his name, but I, I, uh, he was down there with his colors on. And another guy, uh he came through from the police memorial, I was standing kind of behind all the flags, and I said, here comes help. How you doing, Jim? And he walked by. He had a suitcase with him full of beer. He was heading towards the, uh, the uh, tailgaters underneath the bridge, uh, shook some hands in the front of the flag thing, and then left. And uh, there was a few black and brown Americans walking around our display down there using uh, uh, the F word, F Trump, F word. And he wasn't using F Trump. He was using the fornication under the court. The I got gotcha, you. I got
1: gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. I knew what you mean. Yes. I
3: met Beatrice on the on the East Side from Lithuania. A really, really well informed lady. I think she's called your program a couple of times. I ended up talking to her for at least an hour. And I wish you would spend some time on a true American hero, this Command Sergeant Major Tim Dozier. Thank you.
1: Uh, Jim thanks very much I am told that that event yesterday outside the Brown Stadium um, at which uh, Jim Renaci spoke and uh, Steve Krause spoke and Beverly Goldstein was there as well speaking and all these people came to really support standing for the flag I'm told it was a tremendous success despite the crazy rain Uh, uh, you know in the it wasn't crazy it wasn't monsoon or anything like they predicted but it was obviously adverse conditions and I'm told it came off uh, you know phenomenally well and it was a terrific event I I wish I'd been able to be there as well. Unfortunately, I could not get there, Uh, but I am told it was wonderful, and I hope it is a weekly thing, and that is to say, not that we can always get the politicians out there. They've got very tight schedules, but I hope that before each Browns game, as long as there are NFL protests going on, and the kneelers are still doing this, even if it's not in Cleveland, and thankfully, there were no kneelers between the Browns and the Steelers yesterday, Uh, But but just to protest, you know, or or excuse me, just to unite behind the flag at every every game uh, in which the league continues to have protests, I think that would be a phenomenal thing. Thanks so much for the call. I appreciate it. If you're on hold, stay there. I'm coming right back to you after the news on AM 1420, The Answer.
0: Mike Gallagher. Weekday mornings at 11 on AM 1420.
1: The answer. Look, I uh, have no idea how this whole thing is going to turn out. Uh, the, the day after the Colin Kaepernick ad campaign was announced by Nike, in which they were going to feature this anti-cop, anti-American, lying uh, social justice warrior as their new face of their Just Do It campaign. Their sacrifice campaign, this massive uh, uh, print image of him with his face and the words, believe in something while sacrificing everything. And I'm paraphrasing it because it's not important enough for me to memorize. But it was some something to, to the tune of sacrificing everything, indicating that this guy sacrificed something because he's no longer in the league. He's not no longer in the league because of his ridiculous social justice posturing. How do we know this? Because there are still players in the league who are doing the same kneeling he was doing. They didn't get fired. He didn't get fired from his job for that. He got fired, essentially, or when he he didn't get fired at all, He, he opted out of a contract with the 49ers, opting to go on to the free agent market to find another job, and nobody wanted to hire him. Why? Because he kneels? No, because he's not very good. You think if he could throw the ball like Aaron Rodgers, he'd be on a roster right now? You better believe he would be. He's not very good. That's why he's not on a roster. So he sacrificed nothing. So I have no idea how this is going to go out. But one day after the announcement was made last week, Nike lost $4 billion in stock valuation. $4 billion. That's what their stock was worth. Less. The day after. All right? However, shortly after that, They started to rise, and they're seeing an amazing uptick in sales. And this is, of course, the pushback from the social justice warrior liberal crowd that likes to play race-baiting games and to try to divide America and so on and so forth. They're trying to show support for Nike, so they're selling more products. Now, long term, which is going to win out? The conservative-minded, unification-minded, American pride-having patriot group? That is not going to buy swooshidorn products anymore, or the we love social justice Colin Kaepernick crowd that is going to try to flood Nike with new orders who's going to win long term I don't know. I do think that the massive boycott that is being ordered by or asked for by national law enforcement agencies, foP organizations, and others police look. The police have a lot of membership. The police have a lot of families. Police have a lot of friends. And if there are indeed thousands or hundreds of thousands or nationwide, perhaps, people going into the millions of people who are not going to buy Nike anymore because of their support for police, it could have an impact. As could some of these organizations if you did not hear these stories over the weekend, these are some of the things that give me reason for hope. These are some of the things that make me very excited. Liberty University. That is uh, the university where former Browns coach Sam Martigliano used to coach football, by the way. It is a very, very Christian evangelical university down in Lynchburg, Virginia. And they announced, literally, just a couple of days ago that they are considering canceling their team and university contract with Nike. They have a contract, does Nike, with Liberty University to supply the Liberty Flames with their athletic gear until 2024. That's six years. The university is considering canceling that contract. There will probably be be legal ramifications, but they are considering canceling that contract over their support for Colin Kaepernick, who, of course, is anti-cop, who believes that police are slave catchers in 2018. Quote, if the company really has animus towards police officers, or if they're intentionally disrespecting our flag, our veterans, our national anthem, as parts of some mission, uh, mission of the company, and using their resources to do it, then why deal with them when there are plenty of other good athletic companies out there? Liberty University asks. So they have not yet made a decision on whether they are going to cancel the contract, but they are considering it. There are other universities, however, that have made up their minds. The College of the Ozarks is, an, is a school perhaps you're not terribly familiar with. It's a private Christian college. It's only about 1,500 students. Uh, that's the kind of school I went to. I went to a small college, and I love it, by the way. Uh, About 45 minutes before the College of the Ozarks volleyball team played on Friday, a man walked in with a box of new uniforms for them. Head coach Stacy Muckenthaler, and I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly, said she didn't know what they would look like. All she knew is that they would not have a Nike swoosh. The College of the Ozarks volleyball team played its first games since the school announced it would choose its country over a company, and did indeed remove all athletic uniforms purchased from Nike that contained the brand's famous swoosh emblem. The private Christian college, again, 1,500 students strong, announced in a news release on Wednesday that their student-athletes will no longer wear the brand in response to this 30th anniversary ad campaign featuring Colin Kaepernick. And their new ad campaign, said College of the Ozarks president Jerry C. Davis, We believe Nike executives are promoting an attitude of division and disrespect toward America. If Nike is ashamed of America, we are ashamed of them. We also believe that those who know what sacrifice is all about are more likely to be wearing a military uniform than an athletic uniform. When the team opened their box before the volleyball game on Friday, they found gray t-shirts with a number on the front and the word Ozarks across the back. That's it. Plain gray t-shirts instead of their custom fitted fantastically adorned actual volleyball uniforms presented by nike and made by nike as part of their contract they wore plain gray t-shirts according to the president the team player said they only care about having their school name on the jerseys not the swoosh one player declined to comment after the college of ozark sweep of williams baptist in straight games Muckenthaler said the program will switch to Adidas uniforms, and players wore Adidas shorts on Saturday. The swoosh was a part of the volleyball team shirts and shorts prior. They don't care what they're wearing, the president said. They just want to play volleyball, and they were happy in their gray shirts. So that's, that's a great sign as far as I'm concerned. You got you know Liberty University, ironically, one of the nation's largest universities in terms of enrollment on campus. Uh, Liberty University, and one of the smaller ones with 1,500 students, both considering the very same thing. I'm very, very excited about that. Like I said, I think it's a, it's a great development. It's a great start. And it's not the only one. Now let's get into local government. The mayor of a small town in Louisiana, Ben Zahn, Mayor Benzon of Kenner, Louisiana, signed a memo last week That states that under no circumstances can any Nike apparel or equipment be purchased for use or delivery at any recreational facilities within his city. Effective immediately, said Mayor Zahn, all purchases made by any booster club operating at any Kenner recreational facility for wearing apparel, shoes, athletic equipment, or any athletic product must be approved by the Director of Parks and Recreation or his designee. The mayor's office did not immediately respond to uh, email requests for media conversations. I am hope they will respond today because I'm going to attempt to speak with Mayor on when I host the Dennis Prager show a little bit later on. I'll be hosting for Dennis at noon. But I'm going to try to talk to this mayor. I'm going to try to talk to some representatives of these schools, and I'm going to try to thank them for standing up for what is right. Standing up for unity, standing up for America, standing up for liberty, standing up for our protectors, our law enforcement agents, local, state, and nationwide law enforcement, because this is exactly what we have to do. We always say, do we not, generally speaking, generally speaking, conservative groups do not enact massive boycotts, and conservative groups aren't really doing that now. Although a lot of people are saying, I'm not going to do it. They're not calling. They're not doing these David Hogg style things. Yeah, the uh, f- police agencies are, the FOP and others are, and a lot of people, myself included, support that. But generally, we don't support actual open boycotts. What we do is we just say, this is what we believe is right. Let's let capitalism work here. Let's let the market dictate what is going to happen. And I think this is a great sign that the market is going to smack uh, Nike right upside the face with a great big police uh, uh, adorned swoosh. And they're going to find out the hard way. Uh, Let me get a call in here from John and Chardon, and then we have to make room for Congressman Jim Jordan. Hi, John. Go ahead.
3: Hey, morning, Bob. Point of clarification.
4: Uh, You had said earlier in the program that the most profitable professional sport was football. And on a on a game-by-game basis, it, I mean, you're clearly correct. But when you consider an entire season, I had heard, and it makes sense, that baseball is the most uh, profitable sport. And the reason is because, of course, they play 162 games, and that's just the regular season, not counting the playoffs and the World Series
1: the uh, The ratings for the, the ratings for baseball games, because there are so many of them, are far lower generally than they are for football games and as such I, and I could somebody could provide me the numbers uh, and if i 'm wrong i 'll apologize for it, but to my knowledge, the NFL contracts with the TV networks are far, far, far more lucrative than the baseball contracts or the basketball contracts, and perhaps it 's because of what you said the number of games that they play are so few. That's why the ratings are so high. It's like diamonds. Why are they valuable? Because of their scarcity, because of their rarity. There are fewer games, which means more people watch, which means the companies, the advertisers uh, that want to be a part of that are willing to pay a hell of a lot more. But I think the billion-dollar contracts for the NFL with the networks are worth a lot more than the contracts with the Major League Baseball and the NBA. But if I'm wrong and somebody has the direct numbers, please tell me. I'll share it. Congressman Jim Jordan next on AM 1420, The Answer. 9.15, now the Bob France Authority continues on AM 1420. The answer will come back to the National Football League and uh, the amazing uh, reaction from universities, from mayor's offices and others to the uh, uh, the flag-kneeling and Kaepernick controversy. But we want to steer into a different direction now as we say good morning to Congressman Jim Jordan once again on AM 1420. The answer, good morning, Congressman. How are you, sir?
4: I'm fine, Bob. We're actually doing great, uh What? The Browns tied. They're going to the Super Bowl, right?
1: <laughs> you know, I, I joked about it. I joked about it in the uh, top of the show. I mean, they actually put this on TV yesterday. The Browns are off to their best start in 14 years. They have at, at 0-0 and one. They this is the best start they've had yeah. since 2004. That's the last time they won an opener. So that's well, that's, that's uh, it's
4: good news. It's good
1: news. Yeah. Yeah, baby steps, right? One, one little, uh, one little uh, step at a time. Congressman, let's uh, let's dive into to some of this. Um, you sent out a tweet. Um, I think it was on Friday, or maybe it was. I read it over the weekend, though. And and you and I talked about it when we were in D.C. together on uh, Thursday and that is the funding for a border wall and about government shutdowns. And while you said, mm-hmm. and, I, and I know you, you believe this, you do not want a shutdown, let's not wait until the very last second to have this fight and have this debate, which is going to force a shutdown. Let's start this discussion right now about yeah. funding a border wall.
4: Yeah, no, of course. It's probably the single biggest single biggest promise that uh, voters remember Republicans made to them in, uh, in the 2016 election, and we haven't got it done yet. Now, the president's got a lot of good things done. And his record is is truly phenomenal over the last 19 months. But this was one that we need to get done. Unfortunately, I don't think our leadership's going to go there. I think they're going to just – we're just going to head into this election, and they're talking about, oh, we'll deal with it after the election. Well, after the election, there's going to be the excuse of, oh, we can't deal with this right before the new year, right before the holidays. There's always an excuse not to do what we said, so why not do it now?
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And aren't they going to, after the election, especially if the leadership of the House changes hands, the majority changes hands, they're going to say, well, you know, when the new Congress starts, you know, there's going to be a very different vote here. Why should we let a lame duck con- Congress vote on something as important as, you know, the construction exactly. of a border wall?
4: There, There's always an excuse not to do what we know we should do, and more importantly, what we told the voters we were going to do. That is the problem. So... um Look, we, you and I have had this discussion, but we should have done this back in March. We should have done this back during the omnibus, that terrible bill that got passed. We were poised to win. Schumer had shut down the government earlier in the year, uh, back in late January, early February. Um, we had, we were, we were right on the cusp of victory, but uh, all too often Republicans can, can you know, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. So uh, yeah. we we blew it then, uh, but and, and now it'll be tough because our leadership doesn't want to go there. You, you know, here what fifty nine days before. Our before an election.
1: Congressman, let's pivot to uh, the economy because, you know, again, speaking of the election, typically speaking uh, midterm elections are are often decided by the state of the economy and the party that is in charge, if things are going swimmingly, have a very good chance of staying in charge people really like, they don't want to upset the apple cart if you will, so let's hope that's the case here because the economy is phenomenal right now, in addition to enjoying a 4.1% growth in GDP, we also now have the uh, Labor Department numbers from Friday, 201,000 more jobs being created and Perhaps most importantly, wage growth: two point nine percent increase in wage growth. So not only are more and more Americans working, more and more Americans are making much more money as a result of this particular party. And I say this because no Democrats supported the tax uh, the tax uh, reform plan uh, and Jobs Act. And in uh, this president, you know, yeah. the Republican Congress and President have made this happen.
4: Yeah, no, exactly. You, it's amazing what happens when you reduce regulations on entrepreneurs and job creators and when you let people keep more of their hard-earned money. You get 4.2% growth, you get amazing uh, uh, wage growth, and you get the lowest unemployment in 20 years. That is the record, plain and simple. And what do Democrats say? Oh, they, they say things are terrible. I mean, so so that's the contrast we got to show as we head into this election, in my opinion. Uh, I think we need to begin to nationalize these elections. I think we've got to talk about their vision of where they would take America, which is raise your taxes, abolish ICE, continue to socialize medicine, and impeach the president, who's responsible for this amazing economic growth we've had. That's well, what they're all about. That's the choice we face this November.
1: Well, there's two things there. I would, first of all, thank you for casually correcting me when you said 4.2. I forgot they revised that GDP up from 4.1 to 4.2. So you're correct. Thank you for that. Secondly, I I don't know that they, they can cling or they are clinging anymore to the things are terrible narrative. They're, they're essentially saying we can't deny that. So instead, they're saying, okay, things are great, but as Barack Obama returned to the campaign trail over the last uh, few yeah. days, he is yeah. saying, it's not Trump's economy, it's mine. Let's not forget, he said, how this and when this recovery started. He's taking <laughs> credit for this.
4: Yeah, his economy was 1% growth rate. His economy was 40 million people on food stamps. His economy was was, it was stagnation all the way through. So, um, yeah, to try to take credit for it now, 20 months into Nineteen months into a new administration just doesn 't make sense to me and frankly i don 't think the American people are buying it I know they 're not buying it in the fourth district as i 'm out. I just visited two businesses this morning uh, they 're not buying they're, their biggest concern is they 're having difficulty finding people to work we've got such a robust economy right now
1: <clears throat> well I think I think the best example of that is just tying our uh, one of my previous stories to this one is the Trump economy is so good and the jobs situation is so good. Colin Kaepernick even found work, so uh, that 's uh, <laughs> That, that's a good indication of the economy. And let me pivot to one other thing. Uh, Colin Kaepernick uh, lives almost exclusively on social media these days, and so do a lot of us in response to him. Uh, there were Senate hearings, or Senate uh, at least one Senate committee hearing on, uh, uh, I guess it was Thursday or Friday, yeah. uh, with uh, uh, the social media giants there, representatives of Facebook, Jack Dorsey from Twitter and others. And they continue, yep. congressmen, especially Twitter, to deny that they are censoring conservatives, despite some pretty obvious indicators that they are.
4: Yeah, I mean, they did. I mean, we, look, 435 members of the House, 100 members of the Senate, and four members get shadowbanned. The four members happen to be Gates, Nunes, Meadows, and Jordan. Just happen to be four conservative guys, most active probably in the FBI DOJ investigation, and they get shadow banned And Twitter's response is, oh, it was just a glitch in the algorithm. To, to which I responded, well, a glitch in the algorithm. What did you put in the algorithm? The name Gates, Nunes, Meadows, and Jordan. I mean, come on. So there's there's no way this isn't happening. But to the left, this is okay. Remember, the, the left is so so crazy right now. You got you got Cuomo saying America was never great. You got the left applauding Kaepernick, and you got you got them saying, oh, Twitter and these things they can they can censor conservatives, and it's no big deal. That's where they're at. So if that that's why I think in the end. We're going to be able to keep the house, because I think so many Americans are going to say, we don't subscribe to what the left is pushing, applauding Kaepernick and, and Cuomo saying America was never great, versus where we're at, which is respect the flag and, and make America great again. And let's, let's, let's have, if you're going to have an open platform, let's let all points of view be, be, be reflected there. I mean, that's what America is really about. So I think in the end, Americans are going to see through so much of what the left out there advocating.
1: You know, it's uh, you you've pointed out about the four members of Congress and making it very obvious, and they're all four prominent conservative leaders and Freedom Caucus guys. Uh, but but it's not just Congress too, uh, and I'm sure you've probably probably right. been following Chris Peranto, uh, one of the heroes of Benghazi, who, yeah. who prevented a far worse loss of life. You saw this Obama on the on the campaign stump for Democrats declared again that Benghazi was a conspiracy. And Chris Peranto responded, as you can imagine, who said, "How about we do this? Let's put your cowardly A on top of the top of a roof with six of your buddies and shoot RPGs and AK-47s at you while terrorists lob 81 millimeter millimeter mortars, killing two of your buddies, all while waiting for U.S. help that you never sent." He got blocked and, and and suspended on Twitter for daring to tell Barack Obama the truth. This is a this is a de facto censorship of conservatives of all voices, not even just congressional. Ones.
4: Tonto was on the roof, uh, Chris Brown was on the roof that night, uh, at ten oh eight that night, still defending his fellow countrymen, along with Ty Woods and others, on the roof that night doing that when when Hillary Clinton, Secretary Clinton, was sending out a statement saying some have sought to justify this vicious behavior as a response to inflammatory material posted on the internet. While they were <clears throat> concocting this scheme, the conspiracy was this they were concocting a scheme to blame a video when they knew it was a terrorist attack, because they were 56 days before an election, they were worried about the politics. While that guy, who's being being banned or whatever happened with Twitter with him, was fighting for his life on the roof of that building in Benghazi, Libya, defending fellow Americans. That is that that is, and to call it some conspiracy is just ridiculous. I I have so much respect for for Tonto that that. That just because look, I was on that committee. I know what they did. They knew from the get the very next day that he's she's talking with the Egyptian ambassador and she's telling them we knew it was a planned attack. We knew it was a terrorist attack. wasn't didn't have anything to do with the video. And yet, publicly, they're, they're using this video narrative because they're worried about the
1: politics. Of the so, so to the point about Twitter, they 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 blocked him or suspended his account. So let me ask you this: other than you know having senators finger wag these guys at a, at a hearing like they did last week. Is there anything government can do to make sure that there is free speech allowed we for everybody on these very influential platforms?
4: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's two ways to look at this. Look, if, if they're going to be put themselves out there as an open social media platform and then restrict certain points of view, then you're no longer an open social media platform, and, you, and there are different rules and laws that apply to you. Or we can say, look, we're just going to break you up because you're now a monopoly type situation and it's time to break them up. Those are the two remedies. Right now, we need to underscore and highlight the, the, the wrong they're doing and the censorship and the viewpoint discrimination that they're, they're, they're advocating. We need to highlight that, but we may need to go to one of those two other
1: remedies. Absolutely, and that's what I hope you and others uh, uh, who are concerned about this follow up with uh, in Congress. Congressman Jim Jordan, Ohio's fourth congressional district representative. Always a pleasure, sir. Thank you for your good work. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. You got it. Let's get to news now on AM 1420, The Answer.